My name is Rob and I'm the host of Real Friends, a podcast dedicated to sharing the real stories of real friends with the belief that each one of us wants to be fully known and fully loved. Today, I chat with a friend of mine, Mark Spiewak. Mark is an athlete, entrepreneur, and owner of his own business called Spiewak Training. As a lifelong runner, Mark never dreamed of being a running coach. However, after several encouraging conversations, Mark eventually started his own business in 2015 and now runs a successful coaching business dedicated to putting his clients and athletes first. What's it take to follow your passions and start your own business? Listen to my friend Mark Spiewak and discover for yourself. This is Real Friends. So how long have you and I been friends? How did well, we actually meet? You know what? We met in 2000. And, when did you start taking photos at, at Big River? Um, what you say? So let's see. This is 2020. I think it was back in 2005, 2006, somewhere in that time frame. 2005? You I were? I think so. Either 2005, 2006. Okay. So I think I've been five, six, seven years shooting pictures. Oh, sorry. 2015. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry. Right. I no, was like, right. man. I was like, I was like, <laughs> no, wow, it's really right. been that long. Yeah, I was like, no. So we would have met in 2015. <laughs> okay. Um, You were taking photos with yeah. Big River and you started uploading them to Facebook yeah. and everything. Yeah. And uh, just like took, took everybody by storm. Yeah. Because nobody ever, you know, so generous, you know, like to be able to do that. And so that's when we would have met. And then okay. I feel like we were connected, obviously, through Big River because yeah. I worked there until 2016. Yeah. So that's yeah. where we would have seen each other. And then obviously just through whatever. And then you were gracious enough to do my events and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been yeah. very appreciative of you yeah. over the years. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, so the, the way I kind of like to do the, yeah. uh, this podcast is um, I like to kick things off okay. initially by going over your love languages. Yeah. And I don't know if you're familiar with that concept. But for the listeners who aren't familiar with it, there's a book written by Gary Chapman called okay. The Five Love Languages. Okay. And what the book is geared to do is it's geared to explore how you both express love okay. and receive love. And it does it based upon five different love languages. Okay. First is physical affection. Second one is uh, um, quality time. Okay. Third one is words of affirmation. Okay. Fourth is acts of service. And the last one is gifts. Okay. So... Um, if you'd like to, we can kick things off yeah. just by going through each one of these love languages. Yeah, figure for out sure. Which one resonates with you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so the first love language is physical affection. Okay. Um, what does that look like these days, and how has it changed over time? And how did COVID impact your ability to express physical affection? Yeah, I think you know, it's uh, it's crazy first and foremost to think like COVID was you know just became you know everything in the everything that evolved from it was, you know, I think we found out here in St. Louis was like what March yeah, you know, right. of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's just nuts to think that we're already a year removed from it. Uh, and just the fact that we're all, uh, you know, kind of going back to normal, but right. at the same yeah. time using some of these things that we maybe learned during yeah. the pandemic yeah. uh, and differences. And so physical, you know, affection, I, it's funny you say this because, um, People make fun of me in my in my personal life because I just I don't do well with touch. Like uh-huh. our family, we just didn't we didn't do hugs. Okay. You know, we yeah, didn't right. shake hands, and it wasn't because you know it wasn't because like you know nobody loved each other, things like that. We just didn't have those kinds of relationships, and so that's uh, why it's called the five love languages, yeah, right? I think it's yeah. So for me during the pandemic, in some ways, I kind of enjoyed it because <laughs> I was like, I don't have to worry about the hug or all the different stuff. Uh, and so that was something I didn't really miss, honestly. Yeah. And it, yeah. and I didn't, I didn't get, you know, any like thoughts of like, you know, oh, I need this, whatever the case yeah. was. So that to me, I'm fortunate in the sense that wasn't a big difference, but it does make me more aware. Like the other day, um, I was, we, we had a business meeting with a few different people in town and I got to the meeting and I immediately shook hands, yeah. you know, and that's, that's something I haven't done in over a year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's something that is important to me. There's yeah. something behind like the relationship side of things, having a good handshake and just yeah. being able to see somebody greet them. So I don't know if that <laughs> kind of hits or, or with that. So for some people, physical affection is huge. Yeah. Um, do you know anybody who you would classify like in the Huggers Hall of Fame? Any like big yes, huggers? In your yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, Jamie Maurer is a uh, awesome woman. Do you know who Jamie is? She's um, a, okay. her, her and her husband, they they run the Arch City Run Club on mm-hmm. Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's like a big running group uh, in St. Louis. And uh, they're amazing people. They're one of the, honestly, they're the kindest people I know. Yeah. And she is one of the coaches that's Spiewak training as well. Yeah. She coaches our ultra runners. And she was just 
like struggling during the pandemic because she couldn't hug people. Yeah. So plug for you, Jamie, because like <laughs> there is she is like the biggest hugger I've ever met. Good. Props um, to Jamie. Yeah, she yeah. even tells you like when you first meet her, like I'm sorry, I'm a hugger, yeah. I have to hug yeah. you. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, um, so physical affection that was probably big for me pre-COVID, but kind of like as you say, it's um, especially me being a single person living yeah. at home with nobody, not being able to come into contact. I found out that I had to kind of switch my love language um, okay just as a result of covid yeah um so the, let's move on to the second one the second one on the list here is quality time okay what does quality time look like Barbie? yeah would Qual- it be dinner and dancing coffee and conversation or maybe since you're an active person like running hiking physical exercise what's that look like and how important is it to you quality time is huge to me um just being able to have that opportunity to like actually be with somebody Mm -hmm. in person and it's also something you don't really know you value until you don't have it so i noticed that like with covid like you the beginning of covid um just being single during the beginning of covid i remember like not having a lot of access to a lot of different people and so you're kind of just like kind of bundled up in your apartment yeah. and you just you start i don't know if you felt this way or not but it's almost like the walls were closing in on you but you didn't really know why and then yes. you had that opportunity yes. where you're actually in person with somebody and so to answer your question like it really doesn't matter to me what we're doing um quality time to me could be i have just as much fulfillment running with somebody as going to a baseball game with somebody um or just going for a hike but just having somebody's presence is yeah. really important yeah. to me. I don't think I really valued that until um, you lost it. Now, I lived, I've lived alone, uh, not, not anymore, but I lived alone for over a decade. So, you know, that was not anything yeah. that was that different to me in the sense that you're by yourself. It was more that you don't have an option of being out of that. Right. <laughs> yeah. How old are you? I'm 28. 28. Yep. Okay. Um, and so when COVID hit, did you end up moving back home or did you still in an apartment yeah so i was still in st louis here in my apartment um you know my parents are not super far from me they're actually mm-hmm. in ladue as well <laughs> so i'm in brentwood so not not super far apart but that my living situation did not change during okay. covid yeah no. um so the third love language that they uh talk about is called words of affirmation okay. or encouragement or love so how important is it to be affirmed, encouraged, acknowledged for your accomplishments. And how important is it to hear those three simple words, I love you? And so first of all, before we get started, one thing is a side note that I did want to share is that I think that you're one of the most encouraging, <laughs> applauding, cheerleading, and championing people that I know. I think you really encourage people well. And um, I don't know how important it is for you to receive it, but definitely in terms of giving it, that's definitely one of the love languages that I noticed because you just do a great job of championing other people. Well, I appreciate that. I think, you know, for me, you know, it's not super important for me to get those words, but I realize, like as a coach and as an athlete myself, there are a lot of things that I wish that I would have gotten at that development yeah. age. Yeah. And so in those critical times, I think like when somebody is like, so for me, I'm I'm working with a lot of people who might be adults, but they're really new to the sport. I've been doing this for 15 years, you know, and so um, I know it's not that long of time, but it, the reality of it is like I kind of have an understanding of what I know is good for myself and yeah. what I, you know what I can, and and I still benefit. I have a coach myself, and I benefit from his positivity, and I benefit from those things. But it's not as valued to me as it once was. Gotcha. But when you're a kid or you're high schooler and you get those or you're new to the sport, you know you need that encouragement, and it's so important. So for me to answer your question you know, those words are, you know, it's, for me, it's nice to know, like it coming out of somebody's mouth. Um, I have a really good, I've always kind of said, I'm a little bit too confident in the fact that I have a really good read on people. So I have an understanding of where people are without them even telling me, um, you know, nine out of 10, not always right. right. Uh, but at the, at the, at kind of the, the base of it, it's like, I, I, under, I, I really, it's really appreciated when you're, you know, there's that affirmation behind it. So not to dive away from it, but it's somewhere kind of, I fall somewhere in the middle of it. But reason why I'm able, I think, to do it well as a coach is because I try to think of what a lot of people value that. Like that's a huge yeah. thing for people. When I notice a lot of times coaches, teachers, mentors, whatever the case is, they don't do that for that person. They don't take that extra second just to say good job not understanding that that good job might be the only good job that person's getting in their life. I'm very fortunate to have a lot of positive people in my ear, but if I didn't have positive people in my ear, maybe I'd be having this conversation with you and say, yeah, Rob, it'd be really nice for somebody to tell me that I'm doing a good job, you know? But fortunately for me, I'm not in that situation. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, encouragement, words like that, I think if they're spoken sincerely and timely, it makes a a huge difference. Mm -hmm. People can sense that you're authentic about it. 
Um, so the the fourth love language is called acts of service. Mm-hmm. So how important is acts of service, and uh, how can somebody serve you well? Yes, yes. I, I think I acts of service for me doesn't necessarily mean that I get gifts for people. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you know, it's it's something that like if somebody first and foremost, like I am one of the most uncomfortable person to give a gift to. Well, that's uh, going to be the get, next, yeah, yeah. The, the last. Yeah, yeah. So, so we can make so, exactly. So I don't know how that is for you because yeah. I know you love taking photos and and putting people as the highlight. So I'm sure you maybe can relate in some ways to this. Yeah. Uh, but it's uncomfortable for me to receive. But giving is definitely something really important to me, yeah. and I love the opportunity just to be able to to and not necessarily like okay i, I mean i enjoy buying gifts for people and doing those things i'm not as creative in yeah. that, that way i'm more like okay what can i do for that person like is there like do they need a reference for a job or when i find out somebody's trying to you know you know meet somebody or what are the cases it's like okay i can help you with this or whatever so that's kind of my i don't know if that really yeah. works yeah. as an after service but sure, more of mine yeah. is instead of like actual like product it's mm-hmm. more of like how can I give to somebody in a yeah. way that maybe my network can benefit them or or just my natural skills or just being a listening ear? Yeah. Um, so you've kind of already alluded to this, but gifts. Yeah. Um, how important are gifts to you? Are you more of a gift card type person? And what's the, even if gifts aren't that important to you, what's the best gift that you've both given and received over the past few years? <laughs> That's a really good question. Yeah. Uh, in the last year, uh, last couple, uh, last years, couple of years. Yeah. Okay. So, so for me, being able to, to give gifts, um, like I said, it's, it's hard for me because I'm, I feel like I'm not very creative, yeah. uh, when it comes to giving gifts. I think the, be- I mean, you can ask my girlfriend, but the best gift I think I've given her so far is baking her a cake for her mm-hmm. birthday <laughs> over a year ago. Uh, and so that was, uh, that was one of the first things we had just started dating within that first month. And I decided to bake her a cake. Yeah. And that was really important to me. Yeah. And well, even cool. though I used Betty Crocker, yeah. you know, right. I didn't like get it from scratch. I got a lot of flack from the high school girls yeah. I coached because they said I did, I cheated with baking a cake. But that was like, you know, something that was, I felt like a really good gift that I gave yeah. because it was so appreciated yeah. on there. And, yeah. um, but the best gift I've, you know, given is, you know, I, I, I've, you know, obviously had somebody, you know, give me a good amount of money was, was, you know, mm-hmm. was, was really just like helpful. That was really helpful just from a financial standpoint. Um, but also like when people kind of like have thought of like specific things and, and it's, I'm thinking of, of, I'm trying to find it. I'm uh, the example of like something, but I know in the last couple of years, there's been like, spe- I can't think of it specifically, yeah. but there's been a gift that like right. has touched me more than anything else, yeah. you know? So actually, yes, one of my athletes gifted me a tree. Yeah. Um, uh, she wow. gifted me a tree in Forest Park. Yeah. That to me uh, meant cool. more than anything. Yeah. Like I'm so proud to have that gift yeah. because it will be somewhere that's really important to me. Um, and it's, you know, it's just, you know, it's to my core. Yeah. Um, so how does that work? Do they actually put like a little plaque out there? That's so they, they do a tag like? on the tree. Yeah. Ah, so okay. it's right next to the uh, water fountain at yeah. Skinker and uh, and Lindell there. So ah. if you're you're looking so around there, there's a there's a new tag over there. You're able to see it then. Yeah. It's a Spewak training it. tag too. Okay. So that's what even better ah. is that it's not Mark Spewak. Yeah. It's a Spewak training yeah. tree. Yeah. Cool. And so that to me is even cooler because yeah. it's our team, not yeah. just me. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Okay. So that's the uh, the five love languages. Um <laughs> Let's talk about now. Let's talk about who you are right now. Okay. So during your current season of life, how would you define or describe Mark Spivak? And how would you describe your current season of life? Do you think that you're thriving exactly where you want to be or somewhere else along the journey? Yeah, right now has been... Uh I'm in a kind of a crossroads, I would mm-hmm. say. Like I'm in a pretty big development side of my life. Like I feel like I, like giving you backstory is like I went through a lot when I was in my early 20s, mm-hmm. and that really shaped me. I've had to grow up a lot quicker, I feel like, than a lot of people, you know, would. And so I felt like I had a pretty good grip in my because I'm 28 now, so mm-hmm. I felt like throughout my 20s I had a pretty good grip on who I was. Um, but I was building a career and I was doing lots of stuff. You know, you were affiliated with me with lots of different organizations. And so at that period of time, like that was really, you know, a development stage. But as I've gotten like kind of to being close to 29 now, what I'm realizing is like, 
I value, I, I'm just in a really good spot professionally and I'm starting to value more of the things that are outside of my job. And being a business owner, you know, or anybody that works a job, you know, when you're really passionate about it, it's really hard to see what's outside of your job. Yeah. And you're spending so many years trying to get to somewhere with it. And so now I'm finding myself like wanting to learn how to be more balanced, wanting to learn how to take a Saturday off, like, yeah. you know, trying to do things to like actually don't feel guilty if, you know, somebody invites you to a Cardinal game, you know, or you can take a two-day trip or whatever the case is, just trying to learn how to be more balanced. Because what I'm realizing is that whenever I'm taken out of, like, this routine, I have such a good time. Like, I'm on a volleyball team right now. Eh, And it's beach volleyball. We're not even, you know, it's not, we're not good or anything. But, like, it's so fun. Like, I have so much fun. I'm just, like, enjoying it. I'm like, this is kind of stuff that like enriches my life. And so where I'm at, like, I feel like I'm, I'm doing really well professionally. I'm very grateful for that. I've worked really hard to get to that point. But personally, I'm starting to realize like, you know what? Like, I don't value that success of being successful in my job as much as I used to. Like even a year ago, like I was just, I took so much pride in like having, you know, a business that was thriving and getting better and all this different stuff. And now I'm like, I'm not impressed with that at all. Like, I just want to do the best job I possibly can for my business and have the best possible experience for our clients and our team. And that's what matters most to me. But like my personal success that comes out of it, of like being a business owner, whatever the case is, like our team could be cut in half at this point. And maybe it had a small, it was just a small group of us. And if I was able to coach and able to organize events and do these kind of things and that enrich people's lives, that would be enough for me. Um, Not this like, massive vision of like oh i now i need a spew out training in every city or now i need to be on you know every billboard like that's i don't know if that makes sense or not yeah. my motivation's yeah. not personal drive anymore to that right. stuff it's more how can i just be more mess my community so for listeners who aren't familiar with your business do you want to explain a little bit about what your business is yeah so i own a personal coaching business and basically for runners uh and we we work with people who are walkers or just people who are trying to start mm-hmm. um running and essentially what we do is people hire us one of our coaches uh to help them get ready for a race or run that they're preparing for um and we give individualized training for them based on their needs and their skills and abilities at that point um, and then we have a dietitian that works with us as well. So she helps out with kind of nutritional planning and things like that. And then we've kind of taken that. It started off really as just like me coaching people. Yeah. And then now we're going our sixth year coming this fall. And so now it's really cool because we've evolved into more of a team now. So I've truly tried to find ways to connect all these people who are individually working with me under the umbrella of like we're all together in yeah. this. Um, so that's kind of essentially what we're doing in a nutshell. Yeah. So how many people do you have on your team? So we have close to 150 on the team. Wow. Um, and so we have a good solid group of people. Um, we have three coaches and a dietitian that work with me. So very lucky to have, you know, it's it's incredible just the people you run across. I mean, just meeting you through yeah. the running community. I mean, I always say, like, there's some of the best people, you know, in this sport. (laughs) It really is. You're very lucky um, to do that. Yeah. Um, I think about our running community, and um, I've discovered it's easier to go running and make friends with your runners because Uh those end up being some of the most cheerleading, championing, encouraging, supportive, positive, optimistic group of people in my life. life right now and there are people who if you run with them long enough they actually become genuine friends outside of just running and so um you get to a certain stage in life where it's actually more challenging and difficult to make good friends so the ability to make you know a dozen good friends kind of on varying degrees it's uh it's an amazing blessing really to have at this stage in season one so i feel extremely fortunate and seeing you on social media like every weekend i notice you run with the you run with the same group of people it's so cool like you don't meet with the same group of people for several years unless you really like each other (laughs) you know it's like this isn't a sport where like you just like you'd run on your own if you didn't like the company oh yeah so that's cool it's a testament to the group of people that you guys have um, so let's talk about how you got to where you are now. Then. Yeah. Um, let's go to the very beginning. Um, do you want to share a little bit about your childhood and years as a youth, both grade school, high school, and college? What was that like? Were those fun yeah. years, challenging years, popular, unpopular? What sort of 
pressures, peer pressure did you face during that season of life? Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's a good question. I don't really even think I've talked much about my my childhood or a lot on on podcasts yeah. or other things that I've been a part of. Um, so when I was a baby, I had pertussis, which is the whooping cough. When mm. I was like, uh, I think I was like a month or two old. So and tell so, me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I wasn't able to get the vaccine yet because I was too young. Yeah. And so essentially what the whooping cough is, adults get it. You know, it's a common thing. Now, a lot of people don't get it because mm. they're vaccinated for it. Um, but I had seizures from this and mm. they couldn't figure out what I had to start with. Um, so essentially I was just really sick. Um, and ended up having brain damage from having these seizures. Um, and so that, to me, I don't remember that happening, yeah. but it shaped my entire life because as a result, the best case scenario, as my mom always says, like all I had from it was no physical effects in the sense that like I'm, you know, you know, I, I can still be, you know, developed and, you know, I have the op- opportunity to run, do all these different things. But mentally from a, from a school, from a cognitive standpoint, have always have learning disabilities yeah. because of it. And so school for me, I hated school. Yeah. And my narrative going in school was always that like, it, it was right off the bat that I was placed as special aid. I mean, special needs, um, like right off the bat with special education, going through a public school. And there was always this like, like, stigma? Not sti- yeah, there's stigma in the sense that like people didn't know it because yeah. I'm so like social. So yeah. I've always used my like ability to be able to speak to compensate for it. But what I would say just in terms of like, you know, the way that like so somebody tells you, Rob, you are that pace and that's what you run. That's the only pace you're ever gonna run. Mm-hmm. Then that's the only pace you're ever gonna run. Because nobody ever told you you could run faster, right? You know, or, or you can work hard, whatever the case is. And so I just felt like in my head that, okay, I'm stupid, you know, or I don't have the ability to to do that, or I can't go to that, you know, whatever the case was, I can't solve that problem. And so I lived with this mindset for several years that was just super negative in school. And so I didn't put a lot of effort into school. I had horrible grades throughout my entire schooling, and I was just kind of used the excuse, well, I have a learning disability, yeah. so that's why I don't understand this. And the reality was when I did work really hard, Yes, it was really difficult, but I still could get good grades. You know, like it just was going to take me twice as hard. You know, it's going to take me twice as long to work at something that it might take one of my peers. But was I capable of being successful? Absolutely. And so that's something for me is I didn't learn that. Um, And so... So through my childhood, I mean, I loved my childhood. I have three brothers. Um, I, I played sports. I did every sport except for fly fishing and NASCAR, I always say. So it's like, you know, so athletics, you know, athletics were a huge part of my life. Um, just being able to have lots of great friends. I developed awesome times. But from a schooling standpoint, I hated it. And then I got to high school. And I, going into high school, I was really excited um, to play basketball and do other sports. And I remember I was running at that time and yeah. got into running to get in shape. And my brother, my older brother, he was a successful runner at our high school and he ran in college. And he kind of told me, like, listen, Mark, you can only run in high school if you want to be successful at it. Like, you can't mm-hmm. play other sports. And mm-hmm. so I decided, okay, I'm going to listen to my brother. And yeah. I just strictly ran. Yeah. So then I became really focused on running in high school, uh, which to this day, I kind of think, man, I should have been more balanced. I should have played basketball. So I could have, I could have, would have, should have. Uh, but then I, all my sole focus for school was to be able to be eligible. So yeah. I'd sit in math class, do the bare minimum, and then write my splits for what I wanted to run in the two mile nice. that weekend, you know, on my notebook. So I was always focused in that sense, but I was able to experience the team, camaraderie, and things like that. And so that was the, that was basically my childhood. You know, it was really, like I say, a really positive experience. I have an amazing family. My parents, you know, gave me everything I needed. I love them to death. They're, you know, very supportive of me. Um, and then my brothers, you know, just having, you know, good close support system and a lot of positive influence and just had a lot of good people around me. Yeah. Um, so after high school, did you go the college route then? Yeah. So, uh, so initially I did. So I, my goal was to go off and run a division one school. Uh, and that was kind of like, you know, the dream, you know, you work hard at running, you know, you work hard at sports, yeah. go, you know, go play a division one sport. And so I went off to a small division one school in New Jersey called Ryder University. And uh, I, this is kind of like where it goes back to like where your work ethic is mm-hmm. kind of exposed. And so I worked really hard in running like previously in high school, but I never worked hard at school. So now I get to college and in my later days of high school, I started partying a lot. So, um, you know, just got probably was just drinking a lot, a lot too, like just too much. I just made it too much fun. But I mean, sure. I think a lot yep. of kids at that age, you know, find right. themselves doing that. You don't even really realize you have a problem with it. And so when I went to college, 
I just like ramped it up a ton. And so my first semester was just like, I didn't go to class. Um, I kind of had that entitlement, like I'm on the team, I can do whatever I want. Um, but I wasn't competing. I was redshirted, which essentially just means that they, um, you know, you're still on the team, but you're like, you get your, your, your eligibility is not counted. So you would have an extra year if you wanted to gotcha. use that extra year. And so I wasn't competing, so I didn't have a lot of pressure on me. And I had the opportunity to like to, you know, like just hang out with people and not really have to worry about class. And then I get, you know, slapped on the wrist with uh, probation after a semester because mm. I'm not going to class. I don't have any good grades. And so ended up second semester coming in with the same attitude. I didn't have any spirit to like, you know, turn things around. And it really got to the point where um, I was just not making the right choices, whether it was, you know, socially, but I wasn't making the right choices with, with athletics either. I wasn't running. Um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't putting in the work that I needed to and ultimately ended up failing out. Um, so that was like such a shock to me because I was thinking like going into college, yeah. like I'm going to be a professional runner, you know, I'm going to run division one. I'm going to have this amazing experience and then I'm going to party too and have fun doing it. And the reality was that that's not how it worked out. Yeah. So could you see that coming down the pipeline? I mean, just by the way that you were partying <laughs> and not taking your academics seriously, what was going on in your head? Did you think that you'd you're just because your academics that that would end up giving you a free pass or did you think that you were eventually going to end up failing out you know what i think you know, ultimately at the back of your head you know you're not going to make yeah. it but like when you've already kind of had that um you know like safety net in the past and you have made it yeah. you don't really think okay i could fail too it really wasn't a possibility in my head until i until i got back that second semester and one of my teachers actually was um, was super nice and she was, you know, really helpful to me um, and spoke with me after class. And I just had a good relationship with her. And I was on the verge of failing out at this point. It was second semester. And I needed to get a B on her, on her paper to be able to pass and, like, keep my grades enough that I don't, like, have the opportunity to, like, basically be failing yeah. all my classes. And so... I needed a B and this would like, you know, settle the things and I'd be good. And I remember this, like I worked, like I spent like the last month I was at that school, like I worked so hard. Like I had a schedule every single day mentality. Like I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't going out. I was doing whatever I could to stay focused and I got a C on that paper and I worked so hard for it. But you know what? I worked hard for a month yeah. and I think back to it and I was like, she knew me so well. Yeah. I just wonder to this day if she like, she did that intentionally yeah. just to kind of like give me a good life lesson. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe this is the best thing for you. And so ended that class was the, was the deal breaker and didn't get that B and then ended up, you know, inevitably having to come home. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would say I saw it, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it comes at you quick. And especially when you're not, when you're not taking care of yourself and, and you're not, you're just, you're at a point in your life when you're 18 years old, you just don't know what you're doing. Yeah, you know, you just right. have no idea what's going on. And so yeah. it, it was, it was, it was kind of a shock, but now looking back on it, I'm like, you know, the, the, if I was coaching somebody or if I'm working with a high school kid, I can clearly see, okay, this is where you're at. This is how I can help you. So you don't make the same mistakes yeah. that I did. Um, so to fail out at Ryder, come yeah. back home and then what happened? So I what's come life back, look like? Yes. Came back to St. Louis. Um, and so I remember like before I left, like, so I, so before I left, like the last month I was at school, I just, I made some bad decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I upset some teammates with something, you know, I did and, and it was like probably the most embarrassing like moment of my life in terms of like being a friend, um, so. just be based on the fact that like I decided, I'll actually just share it. Like yeah. I decided to, to drink and drive, um, one night it was my, um, it was like a month before I left and um, it scared, you know, it scared our team because I had gotten into a fight with a teammate and kind of stormed off, you know, and then decided to drive and got into, you know, he kind of just, you know, disappeared from everybody. Yeah. And when you're on a team and you said it with like with the people you're running with, like you're a family, like yeah, this absolutely. is where you spend your time Amen. with them. Yeah. And then so now add that, you know, all your time with Michelle Dillon, now you're living with her, you're eating with her, all this different yeah. stuff, you know, you add all that time that you're a family. Yeah. And so when you're on this team, like everybody's close, regardless yeah. of ability, everybody's close to each other. And so I did that 
and now like and i always ask i've i've said this because i public speak um you know uh different times and i've said this like I've, i always ask like have you ever had have you ever had uh 60 people mad at you before uh and it was essentially it was 30 guys and 30 you know girls were pissed at me you know because i did something that kind of affected our team you know and our family um and made that mistake and so like essentially what i did was i apologized to every single person before i left and a testament to our relationship was everybody forgave me and like before i left everybody they threw me a going away party like and, and i honestly got so many good friends that came out mm. of it i've been in you know i've gone to several weddings and yeah. i was only there for a year you know and so so i upset everybody but it was like enough that like they knew who i was yeah. to my core i just yeah. wasn't making the right choices at my period of time so that's just concept context to what happened next yeah. so when i came back to st louis like i'm coming back i only think to myself is i don't have good grades um, I didn't have a successful running career at all in college. So now I'm worse than I was in high school. And then on top of it, um, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm in a situation right now professionally, like, you know, like I don't have a job, you know, it's like, I was really at rock bottom. So when I left, I said to myself, okay, I'm going to give myself the entire trip driving home from New Jersey by myself to feel bad for myself. And then when I get home, I got to figure it out. I got home, I figured it out about a week later, but, you know, I tried to make sure that it was like, you know, it was a small, you know, small amount of time that I really sat in this yeah. and, uh, I ended up, um, I ended up getting, oh, I guess what happened was I realized like when I got home, like I was really focused and, and in St. Louis was, I was very lucky. My, one of my best friends who, um, was also, he coached me my senior year of high school and we, we developed a really good friendship after, um, after high school, he was here in St. Louis and he worked at Big River Running Company. And then um, a guy I was really close with, who was my, who was the husband of, of um, my coach um, in high school, he was working at Big River, he was the general manager. And so they both were in St. Louis, they both were positive influences, doing the right things. They both were about 10 years older than me, both of them were. Actually, I think Kyle is five or six years older than me and Andrew's about 10. So they were two people who kind of like just took me under their wing. When I got home, they realized, okay, you screwed up, but we're going to help you kind of get back on your feet. And so I ended up going to CUNY College at St. Louis, Mer uh, Merrimack, St. Louis CUNY College, and ended up um, getting a job at Big River that first that first summer that I'm home. So this is like a dream job because yeah. in high school, I actually did like videos for Big River. So mm -hmm. you do the camera from photography. Yeah. I was doing the videos yeah. like at different races for them. And, and I worked a little bit for the store at different events and I helped them at races when they they had some stuff going on so i'd worked for them but i'd never worked in the shop i've never yeah. sold shoes before so this is like a dream come true when you're i guess at this time i'm 19 years old and they're telling me you can sell shoes at your favorite running store and all that stuff so i got a lot of positive momentum so and so what i said to myself like i woke up every day with this mentality like i was so embarrassed of who i was a couple months before mm. so i said to myself yeah. like i'm gonna do whatever it takes to work so hard that like i am so far away from that person and so that's kind of what shaped me. Um, so I worked at Big River, went to Merrimack, um, got myself together and really just took off personally and professionally and was able to kind of like find a new work ethic and find that me that was before kind of that later high school, early college kind of drinking phase. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the, the challenges that you faced, you've already kind of shared the, the challenges that you faced in school. How about, were there any other type of um, job challenges that you faced, like either health, uh, relational, uh, spiritual? Um, and in terms of rewards in your current field and career, what do you think are the biggest rewards or benefits to come from being in your field? Yeah. Yeah. I, lo I love all that. <laughs> You're giving me so many good ideas for, for new topics of my podcast, yes, yes. you know, just in terms of, uh, yes. you know, you really, you're able to dig deeper. Um, you know, I would say in terms of like challenges, I'll address the first part of the mm -hmm. question. Challenges that I've had, I would say is like maturity was something that I really needed mm -hmm. to work on when yeah. I was, when I was first coming up, like selling shoes and doing some other stuff, just because um, you know, I was 19, 20 years old. So I'm working with people who are significantly older than me. And it was that kind of gap yeah. on like, I'm trying to, you know, I didn't really have a circle of friends. I mean, I had all my best friends from high school, but they're all in college, you know, they're right. not in St. Louis. And so I was essentially surrounding myself every single day with people who were significantly older than me. Yeah. And their expectation for me was like, you've got to be 
older than who you are. And so that was kind of what I spoke earlier about, like kind of like needing to grow up a little bit quicker. Um, That was something that was a challenge for me because I felt conflicted. I felt like everybody was my big brother and I already have two of those big brothers. So it was like, I I felt like, why is everybody telling me to grow up? And like, can I just be my age? But at the same time, like I valued that and I wanted to get better. So a challenge for me, I would say is just like learning how to mature and just like, that was a big thing kind of in my job and, and in my personal life too from just a relationship standpoint, like I wasn't committed in relationships, you know, like on my own personal level, just as much from friendships to romantic. Like I just like wasn't committed to things because I was so focused on trying to build myself. So I was very selfish, not in the sense I wouldn't say that I was like a totally selfish person in the sense I wouldn't like help somebody, but more like when it came to like valuing time outside of my job, it was going to go a hundred percent to me. And I really wasn't always going to think about like how that could impact somebody else. Um, So those were some challenges that I kind of had to inevitably, you know, go through and and learn from, uh, from that standpoint. And so how long did you work at Big River before you eventually decided to spin off and start your own company? Yeah, so I start, so this is funny. So I started a business in 2013. This is the first business I ever started. So I started Big River in 2012 and I Mm -hmm. left Big River in the spring of 2016. Um, So I worked there for almost five years. Um, And so I was... um, I was so, so, and just a fat, just to backtrack a little bit, uh, because this will give you context and I apologize. There's, there's a lot, a lot to the story during that period of time. And now it's less, (laughs) uh, but we carried a product at Big River named Orange Mud Towel. And they sell, there's these towels. I don't know if you've seen them before. Yes. They're they're a seat cover for your car. You'll see some people put them on their car seat so they don't get dirty. And then there's a a military grade belt around the actual um, towel itself. Mm -hmm. And it has clips on it. So you can actually use it as a direct, like a portable changing room. So Ah. you can change in your towel. And you can also use this as a seat cover. Yep. So at the time, Josh Sprague is the the owner of, of Orange Mud. He and his wife started this business. And they, in the first year, um, you know, had decided they're going to go to, I guess this was year one or year two, they're going to go to the uh, National Outdoor Retail Conventions, which is a huge convention. It's And this year it was in Salt Lake City. And our store was the only store that carried orange mud. Like they were, we were the only ones. He was, this is our, he was, we were his first retailer. He sold online, but nothing else. And so he saw a video of me at Big River. I did a video for uh, like promoting the towel to try to sell it at the store. So he sees it and he calls my manager, Luke Purcell at South City Big River. And he's like, hey, we really like that guy's energy. Would he be interested in coming up and working for me? Uh, you will pay him a hundred dollars a day and, you know, come to Salt Lake City for, you know, five days where the case was. And so I'm thinking in my head, like, that sounds awesome. That's really cool. Like to be noticed. You talk yeah. about like words of affirmation. Yeah, right. I mean, when you're 19, 20 years old and you're trying right. to get a name for yourself and here's a, a guy who owns a business and thinks that you have great energy, you're like, yes, of course. And so what the coincidence was is my best friend, Kyle, who I was speaking about, was leaving Big River to go to a PhD program at the University of Utah, which uh, is in Salt Lake City. So he was uh, leaving that same week. So I, with another one of our friends, moved him to Salt Lake City, drove out there, and then got to work at this convention. And so it was this great trip, worked a convention, and all of a sudden I started working at different trade shows for Josh. Uh, and so the National Running Convention, the National Women's Convention, yeah. the Outdoor Retail Convention. And so throughout the year I'm selling their products. They have hydration ta- they have hydration packs. They have other stuff that they sell at these different trade shows. And at this period of time, like just to give you perspective, like I'm in school, but I'm not in school. Like I was going to Merrimack and then I would take a semester off. And I really, at that time in my head, thought, I don't need a college degree. And I really was trying to find a way to make it, per se. And I was so focused on trying to, like, make my own life because everybody else is in my corner, you know, my my not just my age group, but mm-hmm. also, like, my friends. They're all at school. They're all going this traditional route. So I'm trying to compensate for that. I'm trying to build my own route, you know, whatever the case that was. And so I decided to 
um, really just become really interested in like wanting to start my own business was something that I always really wanted to do. And so I, I really just took it a, like kind of a, upon myself to like really talk to Josh uh, at these conventions, you know, and really like try to learn more about what it's like to be a business owner. It was so inspiring because I, I had him right in front of me at sure. these trade shows. Yeah. He's trying to sell a product. I had a lot of inspiration. Matt Helbig at Big River was very influential as well yeah. just because he was doing it on the ground floor working at the shops, but then just being able to travel and like actually see somebody that was doing something at even a bigger scale was really cool. Yeah. And I decided I was going to start my own business. So I was thinking, okay, if I start my own business, then I'll be like really successful and then I'll become famous. I'll never have to, you know, work a day in my life. And whatever that, you know, heck I thought I was thinking at that period of time. So the business is called More Miles, More Smiles. And so essentially what it, it yeah, yeah, essentially what it was is, it was a website that had like motivational, like, you know, like posts and things about like running and being positive. I was trying to take like my positivity brand that I yeah. kind of made myself in St. Louis at Big River, but then try to sell like shirts along with that phrase. Yeah. And so that first year, you know, we sold shirts. It was really cool. I had no idea what I was doing. And God bless my parents because they gave me an investment for this business and like, I, I paid them off a couple of years ago. They didn't yeah. think I would. Uh, they, they didn't even ask for it, yeah. but it was like a, a, a promise to myself to be right. able to do it. But it, it was not a business. Uh, it was not a it was not a financial win, I would say. But it was a personal morale. At win. least you had the courage to do it. Yeah, and yeah. So, essentially what I was doing was I was selling shirts. Yeah. Like I was just selling T-shirts. I just learned, and it was great practice because yeah. I learned how transaction works. I learned how hey, if you buy five thousand dollars worth of inventory, maybe you should have bought like. 2000 yeah. or 1500 worth of it. Yeah. Why do you now and you go to my parents' basement? There's, yeah. you know, all these more miles, more sponsors. <laughs> if anybody wants them, let me know. Uh, but it, it was this first start. But here's the thing when I started that business, that actually gave me opportunities because people started looking at I me as a business yeah. owner. Yeah. So even if I wasn't selling zero shirts, then all of a sudden people are asking me, oh, how's your business, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so Ryan Wilhelm, if you remember yeah, Ryan and Ellie, yeah. um, they were part of Big River Training Team. Yeah. They knew I started this. They were friends of mine. And he was the president of the Children's Heart Foundation. And he said, hey, your business would do a really, like, you could do a cool thing where you could pair up with charities yeah. and you could help them put on charity running events. Yeah. And so that's essentially what I started doing. So More Miles, More Smiles turned into a business that helped charities put on running events. Mm -hmm. And so we had that, we had the S'more Run, uh, which was in Ladue, and then yep. also it was in Seattle. Um, so we did like events. And so I learned how to like put events on, learn how to do these different things. The S'more Run had close to a thousand people, which was really cool. Um, the Heart Race yep. was a fun one at night. It was a little bit, it was smaller, it was like 300 people, but it was just more of like a, I always said it was like my, if I ever had a wedding party, like that was like the <laughs> wedding bar, like the local barbecue for all the runners. Uh, and so, did all that um, in terms of like sell. I was still selling shirts technically. Mm -hmm. I'm still working at Big River, and and I'm also working at trade shows at yeah. this time. Yeah. And now I'm putting events on. Yeah. Wow. So I'm doing all these different wow. things and yeah. going to school somewhere yeah. in between that. Something's so, gonna give, doesn't it? So exactly. So what happened was I and I forgot to mention this. I was coaching at yeah. Ladue High School oh at this time yeah. at cross country, and then I was also coaching their youth programs for cross country mm. and track. Wow. And so I was spending every waking moment of my yeah. life with running yeah. <laughs> and with the run uh, case was. And so what I ended up doing was people started approaching me about like needing training and help it. Like when I worked through the store, I remember like somebody would come in and they would ask for help on running and I'd write them a schedule in the store. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and so then I realized, wow, I can write a schedule. So I just kind of thought about that. I was like, wow, maybe like one day I could actually do this for people. So I just tried it out with friends. And so I was coaching some friends for about a year while doing all this kind of stuff, but not super serious. And it just basically evolved to um, deciding, Hey, I want to start my own coaching yep. business. Yep. And so I was kind of the writing on the wall that, you know, that that's something I was more passionate about at this period of time. This was 2015. So more miles, more smiles was still in existence, but yep. I kind of knew what it was. And so now we're kind of narrowing it down. Yep. Um, and so that's kind of the long winded answer to how I got to starting my coaching business yep. throughout training, which out of all of them is the longest sustainable one. <laughs> so is that the only thing you're doing right now? Or are you also doing other, other things in parallel with that? Yeah. So what happened was, I, How many people, clients, do you need to, to make a business successful? You know, so yeah, I would say that success is all relative yeah. because there's people out there who have, you know, businesses and they have another job and they uh -huh. find themselves yeah. very successful with 20 people, you know, whatever sure. the case was. Um, and, and so I think it's relative to people. Um, for me personally, what happened was 
I was still going to school and I still was like, you know, kind of going to school, not going to school. And that's kind of the beauty of community college. There's not a lot of ties to it. So you, know, you can go one semester, you can disappear for True. another semester, yep. whatever the case is. And so I decided in 2015 that I wanted to transfer to Webster University. And the reason for it was like, I wanted the opportunity to actually graduate from college um, and really get there. And I felt like not nothing against St. Louis Community College. I just felt like I couldn't get my yeah. my commitment there. I really feel like I needed to say I was at a university to like kind of get things going, get on track to actually graduate, all this different stuff. And so I made that decision and that kind of inevitably kind of had to make my priorities change. And so if I really was going to go all in on trying to graduate from school, I can't do every single possible thing. Um, so I stepped down from coaching Ladue High School. Um, I stepped down from doing um, like more miles, more smiles. Um, I ended up stepping down from coaching at uh, or from working at Big River. So I started doing this stuff and that's kind of when the business started to evolve in itself. Yeah. So I realized like my passion at that time was putting on events. My passion was coaching. Um, and then my passion was going to school or not really passion, but you know, that was my commitment at that period yep. of time. Yep. And that, what happened was, if you just think of like, you know, it's almost like you're, you know, trying to fill up something, you know, you have different things that are, you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to explode anymore because now I have kind of everything in the right positions, yeah. you know, and, and school is in a good spot. I'm putting these events on and I'm also coaching at this period of time and my business I, and I say this all the time, like entrepreneurs don't typically get this easy of a way into business because a lot of times they start a business and they're all in. Like you yeah. said, like they have to be successful. For me, is like I coached at night. Like I went to work. I was still working at Big River in that first year. I was calling clients at 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night and they were gracious enough to, to do that, which was cool. But it was like it was a hobby. I started small. I didn't start big and it just kind of evolved. And what ended up happening is that I made sure that school was always a commitment and I made sure the events at that time was a commitment and I made sure the coaching was in its spot. And what I realized was there were more people coming to the coaching and wanting coaching, 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 that inevitably it kind of really kind of led me in that path of saying, okay, this is something that probably is going to be successful and I'm going to continue to kind of put my heart and soul into it. So those other things got a little bit smaller. Yeah. And so school toward, I just graduated this last, uh, this last you know, know. couple of weeks ago. So, yeah. So that's, that's 10 years later, but yeah. that to me, these last couple of years have only been doing like one or two classes a semester yeah. because the coaching business has gotten so much bigger. So that's for me, what's, what's really been the biggest difference is that the coaching business is the only thing I really solely do now. I coach yeah. little kids still. Um, I try to help out with other, you know, events and do things like that. But really I've learned of anything is like I've learned what focus is yeah. and what you can do when you put your eyes on one specific yeah. thing. Awesome. Um, so I did want to touch on the <laughs> fact that uh, you did recently graduate. Would you like yeah. to share a little bit about that? That's a kind of a major milestone, major accomplishment. So Yeah, it's it's funny because it's like I've thought about graduating college for so many days. You know, and it's also kind of weird because like I've been in school my entire life. Yeah. So even if I've missed a semester, you're still kind of technically in school. Yeah. I never really left it. And I would say that it's, I'm just so grateful that I stuck with it. I'm so grateful for like the support of my family yeah. and people like that. Um, it felt really good to cross the finish line, but it doesn't feel great. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it doesn't like, I always kind of thought if I graduated college, it would like kind of complete me. Yeah. And it really is, it's, it's not that it's a, you know, meaningless piece, piece of paper on the wall, but it's that like, to me, it was, it was about completion, but it never defined me. Yeah. And that's what I really realized over the years was like I was able to yeah. kind of build other things in my life and be fulfilled. But what I think is what I hope somebody would take from my story um, is that when you have a goal, you know, you go, it doesn't ha your your finish line doesn't have to look the same as or your route doesn't have to look the same as everybody else. Yeah. There's no one way to the finish line. Yeah. And my hope would be for somebody is that like, you can pursue things that you are passionate about and still have that goal to finish school. Yeah. And for me, it's like knowing that nobody can ever take that college degree away from me. And also knowing like if my business in two years is not successful and I have to inevitably close up or things like that, there's no guarantees Then I can go get a job. 
you yeah. know, because I have a degree. And not that you can't get a job. You know, there's lots of people who don't have degrees and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's more of like, okay, this is just another little help, you know, just a yeah. lo- another hard, you know, hard life we have, you know, another little step that we can have to yeah. kind of make things a little bit easier. Um, so I want to go back to a point that you made a little bit earlier. You said school doesn't define you. Who or what does define Mark Spiewak? And in conjunction with that, um, tell me about your faith walk. How does your faith play a part in your journey? And how do you think it's impacted the choices and decisions that you've made in your career? Yeah. So who defines me, I would say, is um, I, I would say, uh, still this I'll steal this from Ryan and Jamie Mallory. They always say you're what you're a sum of the five people you surround yourself with. Have you heard that quote before? I have not, but okay. I've heard it's Very show me your friends something. and I'll show you your future. Okay. So yes. it's kind of the yeah. same idea. And I've always kind of said, you know, um, I'll introduce you to good people and they'll introduce you to greater people, yeah. you know? So it's like this, this yeah. kind of belief that if you surround yourself with good people, yeah. you're going to have a really good, strong commitment, you know, connections to different networks and such. And I would say my personal, like, you know, like people who really define me are my family, you know, or my, um, you know, like my significant other mm-hmm. having like, you know, like good friends, yeah. but the, it's really just having positive presence in my life. I don't know mm-hmm. if that counts as an answer, but just like more of just like, having positivity is what defines me. And uh, my faith walk is that I was raised Jewish. um, So I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, Uh And so just, um, you know, for us, we reformed Jews. Uh Um, So we went to temple, you know, for the high holidays and different stuff. And we went to Sunday school and got confirmed and everything like that. But I wasn't at synagogue every single Friday night or doing the Shabbat and things like that. Um, But and I think I think a lot of Jews would tell you this, especially like Jew, Jewish people have really become very cultural, um, especially our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's it's less about you know necessarily like being present at temple and more about kind of like just kind of living out being a Jewish person and acknowledging like your your history and where you come from. And for me, I always I, I've always kind of said like. I'm not very religious, but I would never say that like I'm atheist or not religious. And the reason for it is like I have family, you know, we know that there's family of ours who died in the Holocaust. So for me, it's like if I said I wasn't that, I would feel like really guilty for not acknowledging like that's that's a part of who we are. And if they didn't make their sacrifices, we wouldn't be here today. So my faith walk is kind of complicated in the sense that I I always kind of feel like, okay, I don't find myself, you know, very religious, but also at the same time, I don't want to disconnect from it. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, so how do you think your faith might potentially impact your relationship or the woman that you date? So just in terms of relationships, um, you're currently in a dating relationship, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you eventually want to get married and have kids? Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. So. Um, so what does dating look like in 2001? Uh-huh. Has technology made it easier, more difficult? And what do you think has been the biggest challenge surrounding dating and relationships these days? Yeah, so I would say that, you know, the technology has made it totally different. You know, there's so many distractions. You know, we're in a distraction era. You know, whether you're comparing yourself on Instagram or whatever the case is, there's just so much out there. Uh, and even just from like being attentive. So like, you know, I, I get in trouble occasionally for like, you know, not always listening and, you know, kind of checking out the email or doing something else, you know, not always the best at being attentive. And that's something that's always been kind of a struggle for me. I'm a big multitasker. Um, but in terms of like how faith, would how i would view my faith and how it goes with a relationship Mm -hmm. i personally wouldn't be able to be with somebody who would be like against my faith Mm -hmm. you know like who who wouldn't want you know wouldn't want me to be associated with it um with that said i don't really have a strong feeling on whether i want my kids raised jewish or not Mm -hmm. i just want my kids to know where they come from sure you know so for me it's like you know, if, if my significant other had a preference on it and they were really passionate about it, I would support that. Yep. And I feel like I can do a good job of, you know, unless it's just something that has something to do with hate that I can't, I can't be affiliated with that. Yep. But if it's, you know, something that's different than me and, you know, and they're, you know, passionate about it, then I want to learn about it. So that's kind of how faith shapes me up in yep. relationships. And that's how it is with friends. I've very diverse, you know, friends in terms of religions, race, uh, everything. Yeah. So we, you know, we have a lot of different opinions, a lot of different shapes, you know, a lot of different meals we cook, you know, a lot of different things. And I love to be exposed 
exposed to that. Yeah. Uh, when it comes down to my own morals, it's just about like being able to have, like the core values is more important to me. Yeah. Um, in terms of how you treat people, and then just in terms of you know technology and everything of of how our everything looks. I mean, I think you just you know you have to be more um, attentive. Obviously, you have to be. Uh, you have to make be deliberate about living in the present moment. And not being so fixated on what you don't have or what you want to have. Um, and I just try to like really value relationships in front of me and think about like, okay, I need to really see this as a, you know, um, you know, like I'm in front of you right now. There's not a computer or there's not a TV yeah. or whatever the case is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so what do you think? How long have you been dating? <laughs> so we've been dating for a little over a year. Okay. And what do you think are your girlfriend's love languages? The ones that we went over earlier. Yeah, man. This can be a little test, so hopefully it will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if she listens so, uh, to the, yeah. you're either going to chalk up brown yeah. points or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. After she, a year, you don't know her love Yeah, language. exactly. So if, if I if I get it wrong, <laughs> Katie, uh, I, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll make it up somehow. So I would say for her, she, she definitely quality time is, I think, is important to mm-hmm. her. She definitely needs – she's very similar to me in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like She definitely needs uh, – she definitely needs re, uh, affirmation, words – of, yep. uh, affection. I yep. know that I'm not that way, but she's that way. That was hard totally for her at sense. first. Yep. She was like, you need to hug me more. Yep. And I right. was like, I'm trying, but like, I've never really hugged anybody. So <laughs> that's another thing. And then, um, gifts. She's really good yep. at like, she gives she acts of service. Yep. So she loves to cook dinner. Yep. She loves to vacuum out of all yep. things, yeah, hey. you know? So I'm like, Hey, vacuuming right. makes you happy. Right. Do it all. Cause yeah. you know, I'm a little bit lazy when it comes yeah. down. So that, that would be hers. I think I, I think I pass. Good. Um, so we revisit today in your current season of life. Um, what's most important to you in 2021, uh-huh. whether that be family, friends, running, God, career, health, peace of mind. And what are you most grateful for these days? Yeah. So, for me, what's what's most important to me, and I think a little bit that comes out of the pandemic is like, what's most important for me is personal relationships and just like having, Amen. yeah, you know, you right. see it yourself. It's like those, those people you run with every single weekend, mm-hmm. those friends and yep. the community that you volunteer with, like, yep. that's the most important thing to me. Like being surrounded with good people and having a good network of I people agree. that that care and that matter to me. I don't care if it's four people or if it's a yeah. hundred, you know, that's to me, it has to be genuine. That's really important to me. Um, and I, I, I think about it even more, not even just because of the pandemic, my, I would say my success like professionally has been great, mm-hmm. but it, I can see how people become like very into what they're doing. Like they, you know, it's like, I, you know, and it's not, you know, like for me, it's like, you know, a lot of people in St. Louis know me in terms of running. Mm-hmm. So you can use that as like, oh, everybody knows me. You know, I'm, you know, I'm the greatest, blah, blah, blah. And it's super easy to start thinking that when you're running in the park and you know every single person. Yeah. Or you can be deliberate about the fact that like you never wanted to be that. Yeah. And how you get to know those people is because you generally want to know those people. Yeah. And so I try to check myself in that regard is like what's really important to me is like, honestly is like finding ways to take a step back like similar to like what you do with with taking photos of people yeah. like i love that i think that's so cool because you can have an opportunity to expose other people and give them their their Show them at their, best. their moment yeah. and all right. that different stuff while you're doing something that's nice but you don't have to necessarily be in front of it that's why i love coaching i can kind of be behind the wheel yeah. <laughs> you know not yeah, necessarily to be out in front yeah. so i try to think of my life yeah. of more opportunities for me to be on the sidelines. Yeah. I don't necessarily want to be the forefront yeah. um, because for me, it's like, I'm just not very impressed with who I am or what I'm doing. I just want to do the best job I possibly can for the people that are around me. Cause that's what people do for me. Yeah. So you're still relatively young in terms of bucket list. What are a couple of the top things on your bucket list that you just have to get done before you reach the ultimate finish line? Yeah. Life? Yes. Uh, man, this these are great. These are really good. You know, I would love to do, I'd love to do a, like a marathon in another country that was ah, not like, I did, yeah. I did a half in Vancouver, but like, yeah. I know there's like crazy ones in Italy or, you know, just like yeah. really, you know, kind of obscure places that I wouldn't typically travel yeah. to. That could be a bucket list yeah. thing to do. Cool. Um, it, before I met Katie, I always wanted to go to Australia because mm-hmm. that's where they say the women buy men drinks there. Wow. So that was something I was always told. So, um, you know, under, maybe Katie will still be fine to go to Australia and she'll yeah. buy me a drink there when we go, go to Australia. So yeah. Australia definitely on the bucket yeah. list regardless of if anybody's buying me a drink or not. Um, 
And I, I guess like other bucket lists would just be, I mean, man, it, it's cliche, but like getting yourself to just play, like exposing yourself to things that you just haven't seen yet. Yeah. So trying to just, I don't have the specifics yet, but just trying to find those yeah. things in my life yeah. and, and be deliberate about them. I think it's important to be open to new things in life. To me, there's no quicker barometer gauge of how old somebody's getting is when they stop being open and receptive to new things in life. Yes. You can be 20 years old, but if your mind is already fixed and frozen, that you're not going to be open to stuff, open to change. You're 80 years old inside, as far as I'm concerned, or 90 years old inside. There's just too much in life to explore and be open to and oh receptive gosh. to. Uh, yeah, there's, there was a really... I had an awesome conference I got to attend on Friday is a coaching conference with mm-hmm. some of the top level coaches in the entire country and they were in St. Louis. Yeah, wow. And um there was a guy they zoomed in with because he lives in he lives in England, um, but he also has Parkinson's. He's seventy five yeah. years old. And so he wasn't able to come. But he used to be like the coach for Man- Manchester United um, which is a very popular professional soccer club or football club overseas, um, was uh, the coach of their men's national team. Um, he was the, if you know the name, David Beckham. Oh, yeah. He, he yeah. worked with David Beckham. Wow. So he has like this huge like resume in terms of like being a coach. And on camera, we're watching him and he's interviewing the speaker. And uh, they're talking to each other. And, and the analogy was like, if you could go back, you know, to your 35-year-old self, and see a statue of yourself like and how do you compare it to now go to 75 look at your 35 year old statue and he was basically like nothing matters like i look at that 35 year old statue and i just say like that's that's somebody i'm not that's not who i am yeah and instead of like fixating on the past and this is a guy with parkinson's yeah he probably has more challenges than than most people even at that age and he, he, his whole thing was like his whole message that really resonated with me was like his goal every day is to live who he is now. Yeah. Stop being who he was 30 years ago. That's not him anymore. Yeah. And he's proud of those things and he loves to be immersed in the things that he's excited about. But the most important thing to him, this got me, like this touched me, yeah. was that his son still comes to his house every day to tie his shoes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what he said about that yeah. was like, that to me shows that I live a fulfilled life. Yeah. And all that matters to him is his family and his happiness. Yeah. Yeah. And so that taught me a lot. And it just reminded me, like, here's a guy who's probably the most successful at his craft in his country. Yeah. And he's not living his whole life on those moments of success in sports. Yeah. He's living his he's living his success, like you said. On He says he doesn't want to wake up an old man. He yeah. says that. He says, yeah. I try to wake up every day and just be, you know, present and be active. So that to me was inspiring because if you have that many challenges in front of you um, and you're towards the end of your life and you're that motivated, you know, we can all probably do a better job regardless of what our age is. Yeah. So if we begin to wind things down here, um, I want a couple of final thoughts. First of all, what sort of advice or encouragement would you have for others in a similar season of life that you're in? And lastly, what would you want to say to the person or people that you love the most in life. Yeah. So for people who are like in similar shoes than mine. Um, and I think like I'm, I'm, I tend to be probably about a decade behind a lot of my peers professionally, Mm -hmm. um, which, which is, so I feel awkward almost giving advice to people who are, you know, 10 years older than me because they have a lot of more life experience than I do. But advice I would just give anybody is like kind of what I was saying earlier is that, you know, stick to, stick to why you do what you do. So like if you're a business owner and you have a successful business right now and you have a following and a community behind it, don't change what built that community. Don't change those core values. Try to be the person you are every single day. And so I try to check myself every single day. Is, am I going to work as if I have 150 clients or am I going to yeah. work as if I have one client? I should be working like I have one client every yeah. single day. Like that should be my mindset yeah. every single day. Like I should treat every single person I talk to that day with the same, you know, charisma, with the same questions, with the same attention and all these different things. And, and some days you're not perfect at it. Yeah. But when I first started my business, I was so concerned. And this is advice kind of to people who are a little bit further back that are starting their businesses. I was so concerned with like, oh, I need you know, let's say I started off with 20 people. And I was like, oh, I need a hundred, you know, or I need 50 or whatever. I, it would be so great if I had 50. And so I'd do whatever I could to try to just keep recruiting and try to keep getting my name out there. And what I realized was like, dude, you have 20 people right now who are paying you, who are putting food on your table. And you're so worried about 25 people that don't exist. 
You need to start worrying about those 20 people. And businesses do that often. You know, you see that they're so focused on targeting the people that don't work, that don't come to them yet. And they're not worried enough about the people that are actually consuming their product. And so what I realized with that was just like, that's an important thing to remember. And so for anybody that is finding themselves in a successful situation, whether it's as it's a business or it's their career, whatever the case is, stick to your fundamentals. Yeah. If you stick to your fundamentals and you work at your craft the way that you work from day one, if not harder, you'll be successful and, and do it for the right reasons. Um, and then it just advice uh, for my peers. Is that the second question? Um, and then or, um, what would you basically want to say to the person or people that you love the most in life? Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, so for, for me, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just that I hope that I, I hope I've given my best effort, you know, like I hope I give my best effort and I'm the person that, you know, I'm trying to be for you guys. And if I'm not check me, you know, and they know that, you know, the people that are closest to me, you know, they know to check me if I, if I get a little bit off, but for me, it's just about effort, you know, as I just want to be able to give the best to the people that are around me. And if I'm not, I want to be, I want to be told that because there's nothing more important to me than a personal relationship. Um, and that, that to me is like, that's number one. Yeah. And so if I ever lose sight in that, um, to anybody listening, that's close to me, <laughs> check me on that. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> um, Lamar, I appreciate you. Doing this is great. Really yeah. Enjoyed it. Definitely thank you. Enjoyed it. To everybody out in Podville, thank you for listening for a very special friend of mine. I love you dearly. And this has been another episode of real friends.